You didn't think I'd do it, did you? I mean, I think that was pretty well layered there, a little bit of emotions. Welcome, everybody. We're back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast, and that about sums it up. There's not a whole lot of highlights, so I'm just going to keep playing the Thayer Thomas part return, because that's the best thing that's happened this season. Well, he would have had that return if uh, we didn't jump on offsides (laughs) on a punt. (laughs) So, (laughs) opportunity lost. Yeah, that's how it goes. Um, yeah, so we're going to be all over the place, but I think the general theme is uh, what the hell. So, But first, I want to make a correction. Um, maybe not a correction. Maybe it was an exclusion and an apology. My wife has just started listening to the podcast, and she wanted me to, wanted everybody to know that she was actually a skee-ball champion as well. Her and an all-girl team won a skee-ball league, and um, she's like, why didn't you mention me? So there you are, honey. Good job. Congratulations. Boy, the the, blood, the bloodlines in this family. <laughs> I know. My five-year-old's got high standards here. <laughs> when, he, when, when, when they pick up a ball and, and they roll it and it doesn't look like a championship roll to you, do you like just walk away shaking your head? Well, they have to do wind sprints and just make them run back and forth across the living room. Jeez, I need to make myself do that. <laughs> I've also got the game streaming on my phone underneath me. So if I randomly start cussing, you probably know why. Um, I don't have Tourette's. It's probably something that Braxton Beverly did. Well, do we know, is is FIU like a at least like a sub 300 team? Or no do idea. I want to say po- uh, post 300? Who knows? It's not officially basketball season yet, so I really don't know. Not for me, at least. Um, Someone can tweet us after this and be like, here's the real-time RPI from three games into the season. Yeah, I I did notice Joel Lenardi already had his bracketology out already, and I think that is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. We need to get, like, I think someone had it up before, but we need like a win loss tracker on how bad his, uh, his predictions are. Uh, That'd be so good. That'd be so good. Uh, all right. So let's get football out of the way. It's <laughs> pretty much how I feel. It was cold and we lost to Clemson, right? Everybody expected we lost we're, as we're going to lose. My general takeaway is that, and, you know, we record these things Wednesday, so it gives me about four days to calm down and four days to get my hot takes out. But there's still so many stupid mistakes. Like, I don't care that you're young. You don't make so many dumbass mistakes. Like, you should be coached better than that. The guys that are third and fourth string, if you're playing, they sh- they're still guys you recruited to play. They should be more fundamentally sound. Are you talking one series? Are you talking uh, like the turnovers or are you talking the penalties or is it just everything? The turnovers, the penalties, the fumbles, the 
guys out of position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's one series that just infuriates me, and it was State was down 21 nothing, So it was towards the end of the first, and Dexter Carter, uh, Leary Cleek completes a nice pass to Dexter Carter. He runs, I don't know, it was like 20, 25 yards, calls back because of holding, like just nowhere near the play. Like, damn it. All right. Second play. Zonovan Knight gets around the corner, breaks a long run, flag coming back for holding. The very next play, Leary drops back and just drops the ball. <laughs> like, he just dropped the ball. Laces and out, Leary. <laughs> laces out. Yeah, hold the laces. I, so that whole series was just like the epitome of – what the hell, man? And I, and that was just, it was just so frustrating. And then to cap off the game, Tabari Hans makes the dumbest play I've ever seen from a Wolfpack football player, and that is saying a lot. What? I've seen a lot of dumb plays. What could he what have been thinking? thinking? I, the, the only thing that's going to be acceptable is that the grass was wet and he slipped. <laughs> yeah. Well, he fainted or something. I don't know what... I don't know what it was. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of dumb things in Carter Finley before. Well, let me give you something to, yeah. to ponder on. Cause you make a good point, like all these mistakes. And so Dave brought this up maybe uh, subversively here, I guess on his radio show. And he said, um, state had a really good scout team when the season started, but now they're playing on the varsity and these kids playing on the scout team are giving great effort, but the speed is drastically different. And so it sounds like kind of like Dave's comment is basically like the guys aren't ready. There's no way they were ever going to be ready because they were not just the backups, but the the fourth string guys that were running scout team. And so the guys now that you have on the scout team, it's not even helpful is what it sounds like to me because they're, they can't even come close to playing at the speed that they need to replicate. And then the guys in the games shouldn't even be playing this year. So I think what frustrates me isn't those guys making mistakes. Like I'm not going to bust on McMahon for missing on some blocks against Clemson. That's a, you know, the person that gets busted on is Skullthorpe for, you know, not living up to whatever the team standard is there. Um, What's frustrating is, yeah, Carrie Angeline getting a hold on the outside, Lassane getting a hold when the guy's like, I don't even know how that guy could have been involved in the play. You know, Leary, not Leary just dropping the ball mysteriously like that, but Leary, buff, you know, just biffing up the handoff and then Leary yeah. not catching the shotgun snap, right? Like, I mean, we could have at least scored going into halftime. We could have at least kicked it. And we didn't get to because the ball just like, shot through his hands. Um, That's more frustrating to me because the whole point of playing Leary in particular is his upside is supposed to overcome the deficits. And right now it's, I mean, you don't expect it against Clemson. So like, I, I mean, this is this Louisville game is really big in the, in the Leary development catalog, I guess. Mm hmm. Right. Because like if he doesn't show some pulse here for us, I mean, do you start thinking, should I just put McKay in? No, Leary's going to be the guy for the rest of the year. Pretty sure. Um, 
uh, yeah, I'm I'm almost positive they're just going to ride or die with him, which which they should. I think. I mean, I don't think there's any there's any sense in putting in another guy, you know, playing this QB shuffle again because you know these guys aren't going to be your future. Right, I think they've pretty much already decided that. And their only hope is that Leary's talent at some point comes through and he is your future. Otherwise, you know, bring in a grad transfer or find somebody else to, you know, be that guy for, uh, you know, the time being until you can get a, a replacement. And they've shown the ability to do that. I mean, Finley and Jacoby were grad transfers or transfers. So, um, but there's no way they go back. I don't think they should go back. I think that would be um, just – the optics of it would be even worse than actually doing it. I mean, it would, it would just look like they have no understanding of what's going on. Well, I see, I, I kind of disagree because – and this is based on Devin finally getting into the easy part of the schedule and if, if this continues. But first off, I don't know what kind of message it sends to your team when – McKay won the job, got pulled, I think, way too early in the FSU game. And now the guy that's getting all the starter snaps is throwing the ball away, as you know, throwing interceptions, fumbling the ball like crazy, and is super inconsistent. And I would think as the guys that have like earned their reps, they would be kind of sitting here saying, like, what the fuck? Like this guy isn't doing anything. And frankly, when you look at the numbers, it's not like his yards per attempt or anything are ahead of where McKay was. Now, again, Clemson, I'm not going to hold that against some freak game, right? But Wake didn't look good after being on a bye. Okay. And he had gotten to play a full half of snaps before that game on the road. So now you're at home against Louisville, a team that does have a pretty bad defense compared to whatever, everything else you've seen. I, so I think this is a really important game for him to basically maybe win over the team because I, I'm sure there are guys in practice kind of sitting here like, why are we riding with this guy right now? He's just, it, and it's not that he's not going to be the future. It's just that he doesn't look like he's ready. I, none of them look like they're ready. That's the sad part about it. Yeah. Like not just the quarterbacks, all, a lot of positions. I think there, there's a lot of, I don't know, man. It unprepared, or and that's what I'm. That's what you know. Coming back to it, the fundamentals. It just seemed like they're all over the place, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's um, a sound coached football team. And I think that's that's the issue I have more than anything, because yeah, you expect to get blown out by Clemson, right? We knew that was coming, and you're just not as good of a team as Wake Forest for whatever. You know, whatever reason. But just to look inept like they have against, you know, BC and now these other two teams, really, that's really frustrating to me. And I think a lot of fans feel the same way. I know a lot of fans feel the same way. I mean, they've been, the comments have all been the, the same, right? And I think everybody's given the pass to guys like Leary and some of these younger guys because they haven't played and you know like they're young right but looking they're not giving a pass to dave and his staff because they go out there and i mean the first play of the game for me first play game against clemson i mean 
everybody in the stands, I looked at the guy next to me and was like, dude, they're going to run out the middle. Sure as shit, they ran in what, you know, right guard or left guard, whatever play it was. Jordan Houston, you're on a 160-pound back into the Clemson D-line mm-hmm. on your very first play of the game. It's the same play they've run pretty much every game, or at least it feels like they've run that, you know, that first series every game. I just, I don't know, man. It's, it it doesn't give me a lot of hope for what I'm seeing. Yeah. But these next three games are going to be telling. Do you think they were even really trying, like, in this game? Like, you know, and I'll admit, man, it was hard to figure out, right, because of all the errors. But did you notice anything new? I didn't. No, I didn't expect them to bring anything new out. I th- I think I don't I hate to say they weren't really trying, but they were trying I don't know, man. That's a good question. Because I- you can see you can justify it like the early games were like everybody always says, "Hey, they're not going to show anything cuz it's, you know, ECU and Western and but does that apply to this game too?" Yeah. No, I mean, I. so what I'm thinking is I'm looking at the play chart and like, I don't know, 47, 45% of the players in this game were freshmen. And then let me make it even worse for you. So the like 60% of the guys that played were freshmen or sophomores. So my guess, especially on offense, I'm just looking at this chart that, uh, IPS puts up, um, make sure I'm reading this right. Yeah, 20, 40, yeah, like almost 60% of the players were freshmen, sophomore on, on, on offense. So they probably dumbed down the playbook to the not all the way down, but basically down and just said, let's just make this easy on these guys. And it, yeah, so it makes it look, look predictable. And then it makes it super frustrating when we're being predictable and Zonovan Knight busts off some really nice runs and then you don't really get rewarded for it. Um, he had that great touchdown run and that's really good to see that could really help out this offense. Um, it's I, I'm hoping they were just kind of waving the flag and being like, nah, 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 like Clemson, we're, we're not in this. And then Clemson was like, well, we're fifth in the BCS playoffs right now. And we're going to just destroy you. Um, to the point where we're running trick plays when we're up 21 nothing in the first quarter. Like, that to me was well, egregious. All right. So that at that point, I think State wasn't completely out of the game. They had shown the ability to move the ball a little bit and then just do stupid things. Because <laughs> um, that was right before they went hold, hold, fumble. Right. I mean, they were going to drive down the field. They had three plays with some yards and I mean, we were never threatening Clemson, but I think it's funny that Davo ran the same trick play that Thayer Thomas threw the touchdown yeah. that we stole from Duke when they <laughs> ran against Virginia Tech. Like, that play is making its way around the league. Um, I, a lot of people got on Davo for running it up or for uh, – He had to. He did. I don't even think he did, though. I mean, he pulled out his starters. He pulled out Lawrence in the you know middle of the third, and you know I'm sure they they went for a couple couple plays. 
that they might they might not have. But they, I mean, they got their third and fourth string guys in there. I mean, he put his kid in. They're trying to get his kids yeah. some points and some playing time. I have no no qualms with that. Yeah. I I didn't think anything was bad blood. They could have beat us by a hundred if they wanted Let, to. Let's like orient people on this. Ohio State was recovering onside kicks when they were up like 40 points on Maryland. So right. Like in intentional onside kicks. So, you know, the, the college football playoff committee should be like, uh, there should be like a douchebag deduction, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. on this, like somewhat, yeah. um, you know, so I, I, I don't blame him. You knew it was going to happen. And to the defense's credit, they did everything they could starting three freshman linebackers and everything like that. They still played aggressive, and I really liked it. I love the attitude that defense played with. They got screwed again and had to be on a short field. Like we, two weeks in a row, the team, the the def- the the opposing team has gotten a fumble recovery on the two or three yard line. That's got to stop. Right. That's the kind of stuff right. where it's just like, at least let that happen in the third quarter. <laughs> like I'd like to get through a first quarter and it only be like fourteen nothing. You know, I don't even know what this. Uh, Sorry, Wolfpack Nation. I've had two whiskeys tonight just thinking about <laughs> this Clemson game. <laughs> well, the basketball team's down 9-4, so it doesn't get any My better. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought Zonovan looked good, and I thought the defense played hard, like you said. Uh, I mean, there's there's some there were some bright spots, but just so much junk in between. Super frustrating. And uh, – I'm going to trigger you right now. Why did they play Nick? Oh, McLeod? man. This is fresh from our segment called Radio Show My God, where Dave Doran <laughs> said <laughs> that they played senior cornerback Nick McLeod because he was healthy and ready, but it didn't go so well. And uh, he's not. Okay, so I'm quoting this from the, the Wolf Packers recap of this. Doran is not sure how available he will be going forward. Might need a week or two to recover or could miss the rest of the year. This is your number one cornerback, your your glue guy of the secondary. He's been injured for. Uh, let me get the participation count up real quick, just to make sure I got this right. Um, he's been injured since the first game, and so he's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. And I'm bringing this up because if he doesn't play in the Clemson game, he can play the final three games and still redshirt, and you can have your best cornerback. Come back next year if he wants to. And they just play him because he's healthy. He looks really awful out there. Not like he's personally playing bad. He just doesn't look like he can keep up with anybody. Because you know why? He's been sitting for eight weeks. And now he's possibly injured for the rest of the year. Are you kidding me? You are never going to win this game. The games that you need Nick McLeod are the next three games. Tutu Atwell is a monster, okay? He is going to be a speed demon. He's going to be the one that everyone should be watching to see if we can stop this guy. And then you got Georgia Tech on the road, which is not an easy game. Like, we have we have looked awful on the road all year, and they are at least uh, somewhat comfortable in their new scheme. Their defense is actually pretty good. So you could have a close game where having your your best cornerback might matter. They may have a trick play. They may have just, you know, they only throw 20 or 25 times a game. I'd like for those 25 times to have Nick McLeod out there. 
And then you got UNC. I don't know what they are thinking. I don't either. My only thought was they know he's going pro. Is he? Or they know he's <laughs> well. I mean, the, the poor they guy's know he's injured, not coming back. You know, how's he yeah. going to have a good test? Yeah. You know, they're gonna. There's no tape for him. Uh, you know, some some people said, okay, he's a South Carolina kid, and uh, he wanted to play against Clemson. Okay, well, he's gotten to play against them the other years. Um, I don't think that makes sense to play somebody when they may not be ready. And he clearly didn't look ready. Um, maybe tweak something while he's playing. They're, they're, he got scored on on that uh, unfortunate. Man, this keeps happening to, to Dave Doran. He the <laughs> they get a holding penalty. It's fourth down. They accept the penalty, make it third down again, and then Clemson scores on the next play. Same thing happened last year. <laughs> and unfortunately, David Claus is the one that got dusted on it, and he just—he didn't even look like he could run. Um, yeah, man, heck, McLeod. So much. I, he was—he was so critical this year, and to see him go down after the ECU game was just brutal, and just terrible news. You know, I don't even think the corners have been that bad this year, to be honest. I mean, I know we're playing our like twelfth string corner, but I don't think they've been bad. I thought they've been they yeah. were okay. Um, I guess the overarching theme with this is roster mismanagement. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, three, 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 five slot guys. Yeah. What, I, I just wanted to say that, um, you do make a good point. A lot of people have been pointing out the DBs and that being a problem, but so far, I mean, I need to go, you go back and look at it, but I think we've shut down pretty much every slot guy, uh, that we faced. And for those that, have blacked out their memories you know like last year in the years prior slot guys have been our just our nightmare on defense it's why in part that they switched to the 335 because they just couldn't do it in the 4-2 scheme um and even you know i didn't save it but even nate irving responded back about the the benefits of the 335 versus yeah. the 4-2 and the 4-3 and it just gives you the ability to have a lot more looks makes it harder to defend and it clearly seems to be geared towards uh trying to limit these passing attacks and make sure that no guy goes off for 250 plus yards like we've seen the last few years so i think it actually is a good time yeah that's that's what I tweeted out that the fact that we haven't gotten torched by a slot guy makes me feel better about the three, three, five. And, and I stand by that. And I, I mean, it's a very simplistic way of looking at it, but I think people who are complaining about the three, three, five are just using that as an excuse. I, I think it's an easy out that rather than understanding the defense and what benefits it brings. Now I get, questioning why they stay in the three three five or the nickel when a team like Boston College drops twelve personnel on you so they bring two tight ends in or uh, you know Clemson brings in their jumbo package in the in the end the red zone and you're you're rolling a three three five out there when you have you know some some decent depth on your defensive line. So I get that's a valid question, but the people who are saying blanket statements like the three switch to the three three five has been bad I don't think there's any real justification for that. Yeah. I, th- all right, I think if you actually look and what Nate Irving said, it allows you to get better athletes on the field and allows you to disguise blitzes and coverages. Now, are we doing that great? I don't know, but that's the benefit it does. 
it, it provides you, and you see a lot of teams are moving to that for that reason. So, you know, we haven't been torched for the most part. Um, and I so I don't think it's a huge concern. Uh, it's, it's very low on my list of things that bothered me this year about this team. And that's a weird list, but that's true. Yeah. The oh. sorry, I know. Do you want to talk about the what, roster? What else is the radio show? No. <laughs> yeah, give me give me some more radio hot No, takes no, here. I think that's it, really. Uh, I gotta go back to my notes here. Um this I don't know if you mentioned this on the radio show. This might have been actually his um from one of the press conferences, but just injury report, you know, after <laughs> what a crazy moment. What were you thinking? When you saw those uh, three guys down on the field on one play, there's not enough alcohol in this stadium. Is what I was thinking. Like, I, I wanted to throw some airplane bottles down to Dave and the guys. Like, here, you're going to need these. Uh, I mean, that was just like, what are they doing, man? Like, are they practicing too hard during the week or so? Like, what's happening? I mean, this is it's. It's unreal. It's not like it's the flu and everybody's getting sick. Like you know, and sometimes it's um, it's just when you're playing. Sometimes it's just when you're playing and you're not ready to be playing. You know, you just get hurt. Um, you know, and yeah. I think what he what Dave said was crazy about it is, um, it's that these are happening in games, and he says usually the injuries would happen in practices. And he was like, it's just kind of weird. He said typically, like when you're playing really fast in a game, you don't get the injuries. And he's like, this year it's it's just a freak accident. So he said like when he ran out there to go talk to the, <laughs> to go talk to the guys, like he like looked, he like looked up and was like, how could this possibly be? And he goes out and walks up to each guy and like two of them give him a thumbs up right away. And he's like, okay, all right. So these guys are just like, they're just dinged up and they got to get off for a play. And then I think maybe it was Peyton Wilson was the third guy. And I, I'm guessing he probably, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to speculate. It looked like it was a shoulder injury. But I guess what he said afterwards, either today or the uh, maybe it was on the radio show, but that uh, Isaiah Moore, Calvin Hart Jr., and Jake Thomas are, are good to go for Saturday. Um, they don't think Wilson will miss significant time, if any. So my guess is maybe you guys can probably pencil Peyton Wilson in as a, a stone cold maybe for, for Saturday. But he's not certain about Asus, which kind of sucks, man, because Asus has been playing really well. And... Um, you know, I, I don't know if he was dinged up before the game and then came in and got dinged up because, you know, they started the, the three freshmen out there. Um, it was nice seeing the freshmen out there, right? I mean, like, I'm not worried about I really like Drake yeah. Thomas. I really like him. Like, he looks a little bit undersized, mm-hmm. yep. but the guy knows what he's doing, man. And, you know, for uh, an 18-year-old to be out there and, like, conducting traffic, I mean – I think that's impressive. It gives me a little bit of hope of what some of these kids can do in the future. Yeah. And it's, I think it's beneficial. We'll probably get into this a little bit here in a few minutes, but it's beneficial to get some of these kids more time because, you know, a lot of times they don't pan out. Yeah. And I think you can see right away some of the ones that are going to pan out, you know, Graves, Drake Thomas, Malik Dunlap, some of these guys that, that can really play. I think there's a lot of positives to take from well, that. Well, you know, sometimes he played his he plays. Yeah, ass. you know, I mean, I, I really Jake Thomas to me always looks like maybe he might be missing a step, but his instincts kind of get him 
there to make up for it. He's he's making a lot of tackles. I really like, love seeing just the guys in general kind of chasing down and getting like Etienne on the edges. Like he's going to get his like Etienne is like so good. Um, it's scary. And, you know, I, they were praising him a lot in the broadcast, but I don't think Dad was joking when he thinks he could be like one of the best ever. Um, he just looks special. Um, so it was really nice to see our guys making some plays there. Um, I was just trying to look through this, uh, trying to find the participation chart from earlier. Um, there it is. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's like, you know, sometimes you get a class and you get a lot of work out of them all the way up until their eligibility is exhausted. Like the pack 14 class is a great example of that. Like 20 of the 30 guys that we signed that year, we're we're here until they were seniors and they were contributing. And then you have other classes where it's a lot more disappointing. Like the 2015 class, you know, you have 18 guys that did not graduate. They're not on the team anymore. So of the four that are left, you've got um, McGirt, uh, Moorhead, James Smith Williams, and Tyrone Riley. Um, and just to give like a quick, you know, you guys might be thinking, oh yeah, yeah, the guys that are missing are, um, you know, that they contributed and they're gone. No, like it was a really rough class for us. Um, in 2015, the guys that left the team and never really contributed: Brian Sessoms, Vernon Greer, Freddie Simmons, Johnny Frazier, Philip Walton, T.J. McCoy, which was a special circumstance; um, it was a family-related um, illness. Uh, Darius Workman. Aaron Wiltz, Riley Nicholson, Quintez Johnson, Emmanuel Alanga. And then the guys that we did get work out of that were here, you know, you kind of, it's like you either hit or missed on that class. Reggie Gillespie, Naheem Hines, Jacoby Myers, Tyler Griffiths, who was a great long snapper for us. A lot of love for the special teams. Manuel McGirt, who's still here, but he's going to phased out, unfortunately. James Smith-Williams, Darian Roseboro, Urandeus Bryant, Tyrone Riley, Jerry Smorehead, Freddie Phillips. So, that class has like, you know, eight or nine guys that played and then everyone else like just complete whiffs either. That's, you know, brutal. some of it's maybe bad, just evaluation on the guys. Some of the guys were hurt and medical red, you know, medical red shirted. Um, some had hardships and had to leave the team like TJ McCoy, which was an unfortunate, unfortunate situation. Um, some guys had concussions, you know, and you kind of see that for 2015 tough, tough and then 2016 kind of same thing you know there's 13 guys that are off the roster that were part of that class that would have made up the backbone of this team and in particular if you look at the numbers uh there are four defensive backs from the 2016 team that are no longer here which would have been helping out our numbers uh and three offensive linemen uh were also gone and that kind of is made worse in 2018 where you have two offensive linemen also um, off the team. So, you know, if you had been paying attention to our classes over the last four years, you know, five years, you'd be looking at the cycle and be like, Oh my God, we're going to have to play a lot of freshmen. Um, And we're going to be perilously thin at a lot of spots, defensive end in particular, offensive line DB. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of wondering why we're playing so many freshmen. Well, it's it's because sometimes when you miss, it, you know, a, you know, not just like the year before, like in the cycle, it's it's when you miss two or three years behind. And yeah, sorry. 
So no, you're fine. Uh, I, th- I mean, that's really good information. We want to put that on on the on the web somewhere because I think it'll it's easier to digest if somebody can kind of look at it. Look at this chart in front of me. I'm like, holy crap. But but what I want to talk about on it is again. I'm going to say this again: roster mismanagement. Like you see this coming. Like you could, there's there's a reason that I've complained about this being year seven. And being in this situation where you're playing that much youth, right? It shouldn't be this way. And now you're seeing why. Like, Doran gets a lot of credit for developing guys and identifying talent. There's obviously something here, too, that they've really swung and missed on a lot of guys. Now, I, I if we should get deeper into it and see like who recruited these guys, who, uh, who was the one that ID'd them. Like there's probably something else here that we could probably uncover with more time and more desire. But the the thought is, you know, this, it seems a little strange, right? Um, yeah. I think the biggest, the biggest impact is pack 14 was not only a really like exceptionally good class, and had just tons of playmakers and guys that played it's it's they they immediately soaked up starting spots and never let them go so you it kind of makes sense that 2016 2017 you're kind of starting to be in those kind of gaps where it's like okay i don't i can't really sell playing time and maybe that's why you see 13 guys out of 23 are gone and eight out of 12 in 2017 are gone or sorry eight out of 20 are already gone um, and then you see it kind of firing back up in 2018, 2019, where that playing time becomes available again. I mean, that that's probably a natural inflow. I think we just really struck out in 2015, 2016. Just more that's, so than usual. I wonder if how much scheme has to play into this. And the reason I say that is because, or if you keep everything close, right? Doran's notoriously kept games. Pat Andres hit just hit three threes in a row. By the way, we're actually leading now, or we're down by one. Um, <laughs> so if I get distracted, I, I'm this catching me out of my corner of my eye. But scheme, right? If if we're keeping all these games close, and you never get a chance to put your young guys in and see what they can do and get them on the field and get them reps, right? Is that, I mean, in your mind, do you think, hey, if we blow out some of these teams, we can put some of these younger guys in, take advantage of this four-game role, get some more snaps, like, and maybe you uncover some of these problems? Well, the four, wasn't the four-game role introduced last year? Yeah. It's new. I, yeah, it it's new. probably could have helped. Um, I mean, I don't know. I go back and look at some of these guys and it would be really interesting to see where they ended up. If any of these guys, I think a lot of times they left and they went lower um, or completely out. And, um, you know, aside from like Thad Moss, Thad Moss is, I think the only one that left and went up, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe it would help, but it might've also just shown that these guys weren't ready. Uh, and maybe, maybe that's why, you know, maybe one of the complaints we've always had was like, oh, how come we haven't seen so-and-so? You know, you're up, you're up three scores. Why aren't we seeing more backups in the game? Could be that they just weren't ready. Maybe they weren't good enough. Um, 
Yeah, I think not good enough. But, I, you know, if Doran gets credit for putting him in the league, he's got to get credit for missing on an entire class, basically. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah, and, and TOB had a class like this um, that was just god-awful. Yeah. I think it was the 2012, yeah, 2012 class. By the time the 2012 class graduated, only six people uh, remained from it. And and it All wasn't right. a big class to start with, so it was it, it was a contributing factor into why his era kind of tailed off and also why we struggled really early. The reason we struggled in... 13, 14 was because the guys like they completely whiffed on a class. It just is what it is. Um, and just, I, I, there is like a little thing that you kind of look, if you see the chart, if we post this later, um, that might catch people's eye. And in 2016, we didn't take a running back. And in 2017, we took two and they were off the team by the following year. So if anyone was kind of wondering like, man, how did we, end up last year with just Gillespie in person, it's because we swung and miss on, on two classes. And that's where, you know, I feel like the last class or two, we've done a better job. I'm looking at the numbers. We basically did a better job of recruiting a full class of players. And it just looks like maybe we kind of took a few off in 2016 and it really caught up to us. And, and we need to probably go back. Johnny oh, Frazier. Don't get me thinking about Johnny. <laughs> what could have been, man? Tarzan is what, what it, isn't that what Doran said? It looks like Tarzan. And, uh, yep. Gosh, I, I hope he's doing okay. I remember, I think I saw that maybe he was like in law enforcement. So hopefully yeah. everything worked out for Johnny. I know it was, it was a tough move and some stuff happened back home. If I remember correctly. So, yeah, roster management. It's um it's the lifeblood of the program, man. And uh it's kind of yeah. where why we are where we are. It's why people are excited about the future. Um, but it you're still kind of late, I guess. Um you really need the ten guys right. and the twelve guys from the 2016, 2017 team that are here. You need them to be contributors and you need them to really back you up. Um it's gonna be it's going to be questionable. Let me ask you something. Yes. Slightly different okay. topic. I kind of got on a rant on this on the message boards. Um, let's say this year ends uh, and we don't get bowl eligible and the offense is just stagnant the whole time. Do you think something should happen coordinator wise on offense? Oh, man. Um I think that should happen regardless unless it comes out in the last three games and they just light the mm-hmm. world on fire. Right. I mean, I think that's the only, only way that this staff makes it through this year being intact. And yeah, I mean, if you think about, and I, I think I said this to somebody, you know, I might've been on Twitter or something, but, these next three games, like you said earlier, they're not gimmies. And Dorn has to win two of these next three. And I'm not saying that from like his job is in trouble. But if he doesn't, he's definitely going to have to make some major changes. And 
he's going to be in jeopardy of losing a lot mm-hmm. of fans because the casual fan is not going to care about your injury excuses. They're going to look at a team that's dropping balls and committing penalties and, you know, just doing these things. And then they're looking at a team that's, you know, not competitive. I mean, there's no way to put that. They're just not been competitive in these last three games. So these next three games are going to define a lot of what's going to happen in this offseason. And like we said last week, we're not we're not pro fire Doran. I don't think that's the right mentality to be in. If he loses all three of these games, he's going to be four and eight. And you're going to lose a lot of fans. You're going to have a new AD hovering. It's going to I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if he got fired and I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't get fired. Right. I mean, it, it's it can go a lot of different ways. And I think, you know, it's we don't really know what Boo's thinking right now. But I, I think at the very least, he comes in and says, listen, Dave, you need to can this NC State offense and find something new. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. So I thought it was interesting that. I don't know if it was all the season ticket holders or not got this, but they, there was a questionnaire that was sent out to LTR holders, I guess. And it had a yeah. bunch of questions about, you know, game day related, uh, like outside of the stadium kind of thing, questions and, you know, security, things like that. But it also had questions about on-field performance. And I found it interesting. I had never heard about a questionnaire like that going out before. Maybe they do this every year. Um, and they're just trying to gauge things, but I thought it was interesting that that came out. A lot of like fans are of the opinion that NC state can't possibly buy out the offensive coordinators and the staff on that side of the ball and make an investment in football. And I would, I would just caution people to not have that opinion that NC state is just completely dire in the funding department. Um, you know, there's a new AD who is literally going around talking to all the major boosters and he's gauging what they're willing to invest in, getting their opinion of the programs, all the programs, not just football. Um, our chancellor has a big vision for NC State and he happens to be a big believer in athletics. Um, I had a, my, a, a, fr- a former colleague's father was the athletic director at Purdue and spent a lot of time with Randy Woodson and he said, you know, he's really into athletics and he's got a big vision and you have new money that's coming in from the ACC network. There's money that comes in from your bowls and championship performances and basketball, you know, NCAA tournament appearances for the conference. And there's money coming in from beer sales, which obviously must be plentiful right now with the way we're playing. (laughs) Um, So I really think it's interesting that people think that if boo, you know, that, that, boo, that Boo couldn't go to the board and say, I've got a vision and it doesn't include these coordinators, this this offense. I have this, this is what I see for this program. And Dave Dorn is a part of it, but Dave needs the financial backing to get this over the hump. Not for him, but for his staff. So 
I find it hard to believe that they could just light the world on fire for these next three games. But if you're going to do it, these are the three teams to do it against. You know, if if Leary can get things under control, if the running backs are healthy, if the line kind of gels here right at the end, I could see it. You know, you win those three games. I think people feel a little bit better. But if you lose them and you keep losing them in the first quarter, I do not understand this concept of like, we can't buy out a Des Kitchens, you know, and and let me be clear. Like, I really like Des Kitchens. I always thought that Des would be the next football coach, like the next head coach. I think he has everything that you need to be a head coach. I think he just might not be a good offensive coordinator. I just, he might just be in the wrong job. And, and yeah. I, yeah. I think what you're saying is exactly right. And I think that same regard, if they go out in these next three games and they're not competitive in the first quarter, there's no saying that boo doesn't go into the, and like, all right, days out. I need somebody who's going to, you know, win. And we'd get all sorts of reactions for it. But I mean, I, I can see all sides of this thing. I, I really, I'm torn where I, where I land currently. I can definitely see an athletic director doing that. I don't know Boo well enough to say he won't, but I don't know well enough to say he will. You know, I think it's these next three games are super important. And, and one of the reasons is how much improvement can you expect mm-hmm. for next year? Because they are really bad right now. Now, you look at what Satterfield did at Louisville so far this year, they're playing really well. You know, they've, just they're just a better team, right? And they're competitive and and all that. I mean, there's no saying that we can't do that, but it hasn't been done in the past, right? It's a bit of a slower process here. And one of our one of our listeners wrote this really well thought out email, and I'm going to figure out a way to share it probably after the Louisville game. But one of the quotes was, as I've been taught in many leadership and management classes during my career, the best indicator of future success is past success. And I I read that and I was like, that's exactly it, man. Like, is there going to be a drastic change? And I can make that argument that no, I don't expect a drastic change. Maybe, you know, maybe more improvement. Maybe the schedule falls the right way. But Louisville's getting better. These other teams are getting better and, you know, you're going to have to be exponentially better than them if you want to, you know, put all your chips on this 2020 2021 seasons. I mean, I think that's, you know, Boo sitting back looking at it and like, all right, well, Dave's not going to do it. But if I bring in young hotshot and he's got this talent now, you know, that's a quick injection into winning. I mean, I think there's there's a real argument to be had there. And one of the things people always say is no wins against ranked opponents. So teams that finish ranked at the end of the year. And a lot of people say, well, they were ranked at the time. So, I mean, I I get it. It works both ways. You know, I understand at the end of the year, it kind of indicates, Hey, they're not that good, but also you beat them. So that's why they're not ranked, you know? So there's a bit of that. 
Um, and that's just where I'm torn, man. I don't know where what side of the the fence I'm on. And I think it is because everybody really likes Dave Torn. I think it's it's really weird. And you know, Stuart Mandel's tweet today was his mailbag about why is Dave Dorn not on the hot seat when basically all he's done is win a Sun Bowl. His, he had two nine-win seasons on the back of soft schedules, and you know what did they get for it? A, you know, a Sun Bowl. Beat another. And, that, and I, I get it. I mean, I get it. It's a, it's a fair criticism. Now, it may be a bit out of context because – you know, state's been historically bad, and you know, haven't nobody's won nine wins. I get it, but you know, the 2018 season to me is still very disappointing. So all of these things can be true at the same time. You can have some success, but you can also be disappointed in it because there's an opportunity lost. And I've been no, no, for you're good. There, so. I mean, I'll say this: uh, that's a funny thing about the Sun Bowl, right? Another one of the games where the head coach was fired beforehand. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, right? You know, like yeah. Dave Dorn has had incredible luck at that <laughs> last year. You know, the last three games, basically, uh, you get uh, Petrino fired before the game, you get Scotty Montgomery fired before the game, and then you know Fedora is getting fired after the game, and then. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. I feel like the defense had – the defense could be like, oh, man, we're playing all these freshmen at cornerback. They haven't folded in my mind. They are playing hard every game. That game last night – or, sorry, Saturday, they could have just – they could have given up, and they seem to be going out headhunting, and I appreciate that. They they are trying to instill a swagger there, and I have confidence that the defense will be good next year. My issue is that you are going to have the same problem next year where the offensive line is going to be very thin and the depth behind them is going to be freshmen. And, you know, you'd really like to see us go out. I mean, I know it's not our style, but I think they need to go out and try to get some grad transfers on the line. You you know, even if they're not going to be great players, we need some old depth there because it's missing. And, you know, I'm not saying go get Juco's. I'm, I'm saying go find another Selfo, right? Or Scalfo or, you know, just a badass old se- senior center that wants to play. Um, it's Selfo and he's a loyal listener. My, to the podcast, yeah, my bad. The my bad, Joe. Uh, I, always, I always appreciated you looking like you had a dip in during the game. Um, dude, that <laughs> man, really, we could... I, I don't have a problem with Grant Gibson this year, but that's, I think that's what you're kind of missing, right? Is there's, there's no, unfortunately leadership on the offensive line. The guys that you thought would have been giving it just don't seem to really be popping yet on there. Like with, uh, with Skullthorpe and Fed Jackson and, uh, you know, they could be, they could call in and say, Hey, you know, we've got freshmen playing out at tackle and they make us look bad because they're making mistakes. Actually could be the case. Um, yeah, so you just really need it to come together. Um, I really don't want to fire anybody. It just doesn't seem like the offense is working. And no, it's yeah. definitely not. And it really hurts then to go see like Drinkwitz leave and him having really great success. <laughs> you know, what was that line in the article? Like basically like he's got more power five wins than we do this year. Um Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. He also lost yeah, he in does. Georgia Southern. I didn't realize that until the other until I was listening to the broadcast earlier. So 
you know, screw you drink. You're, you're riding on the coattails of great success, just like Dwayne Letford does. Um, <laughs> he's going to, oh, hot take. He's, <laughs> Drake's going to ride that job all the way to oh Arkansas. Good for him, man. Oh, God, it's 35 34 uh, right now. How is this? This is going to be one yeah. of the others. Markel just airballed a short jumper. Um, one thing, I, you know, what our listeners' long email said at the end, and I think it was really well said. What I'm trying to say with all this is that when you look at the wins and losses, it becomes really hard to support any narrative where one asserts that Dave Dorn regularly outcoaches or outschemes other coaches at peer institutions, Power Five schools. Every coach has a scheme, a system, a philosophy, but not every coach's system results in a competitive advantage. And I was like, I read that and I was like, that's spot on. I mean, I think that's exactly it. I, I think if Dave Dorn had a team of four and five stars on his two deep, he'd be hard to beat, man. I think he would he would grind out these games Big Ten mm-hmm. style. And, I, you know, it's a fair criticism to me on both sides of it, man. I, I think a lot of people are disappointed um, and just how bad this rebuilding year is. I'm one of them. I think it's they're really bad. And I think that's just yeah. That's an interesting. I'm I'm just thinking about it now. Just kind of looking at that depth chart and thinking through it. Right. The you know we had a four three the first year, and then we went to four two five for what four or five years basically. And it looks like that was because there was no depth in the program. You know we didn't hit on it, but Tom O'Brien. I mean he just left a just a turd in the punch bowl for us as far as available guys to play and right. so part of it is like I think his scheme was just like man we just don't have the. The, the guys and we got to just play around the scheme. So, I mean, I appreciate the fact that he has, he was willing to change to the three, three, five ish people who say that Dave Dorn is stubborn. I don't, I don't understand that because it, I think he's loyal. I don't think he's stubborn. Like every year he seems to tweak the the staff and, you know, I mean, going from Canada to drink couldn't have been a bigger change in my opinion. And, you know, you just want him to, realize that the experiment of trying to protect a young roster, let's just take that as the example, right? Of my, I wanted to protect my quarterbacks and give them stability. It doesn't look like it's working. So I think just people want to see that there's at least consideration to change and people, I think really want him to succeed and they want the university to pony up and basically give him that coordinator staff to get him over the hump. Cause if he can win, I want to hear there's nothing like um, that. I would like pump through my veins more than hearing him give that. We're at blue collar hands in the dirt kind of speech after beating the crap right. out of UNC. That is, yeah. that is what everyone wants here. That's the kind of talk we want to hear. He, that's like he, he embodies what you want for an NC state coach. And I just feel like maybe the university needs to finally pony up. And maybe that's what Boo's doing. Maybe he's going around saying, hey, we need money. We need money in order to get this guy what he needs to win. Do you want to do that? Do you want to support this guy or not? I th- I think that's a good question. Um, oh, I'm pumped up now just thinking about uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's really some merit to that. Um, you know, I I think he'll pony up. I it's going to be a really interesting off season. I, I really have no idea which way it's going to go. 
but I know things aren't going to stay the same. But I, what I I will say about your commentary is that Dave's gotten that um, stigma of being stubborn because of the defense and Huxtable, right? I mean, I think it's been okay. I mean, not great. And I, th- I think you're – People have seen have seen that for a long time. I was listening to an old podcast that I did. I was trying to find an interview, and one of the questions I asked them was something about, um, was something about how how what kind of job Dorm was doing. I was interviewing a football scoop guy, and I, I prefaced it with, "Yeah, but Dave Huxtable has been an issue for us." And this is, you know, it's a repeated narrative that Dustin and I used to talk about since the beginning of this podcast. And that's where Doran gets that stigma of, hey, he's stubborn. Um, so, I, I mean, I get it. I think uh, he kind of tailed off on it. Um, but he's he said, NC State is a place where you should win. It's got everything you need to win. And... Um, he was very PC about oh, we need to see how this year plays out. It was the middle of the 2016 year, I guess. Um, but he's saying the same thing. You got to win. There's nothing here. The support, the money. Um, it's here to be a, a, a big enough program. Uh, everything you need is here. Uh, and, and he was raving about the city. And all Did that he give us but a anyway, sleeping giant just, tag? No, no. <laughs> Should have. Um, I want to get into some of these. Uh, uh, I got some anonymous messages. I'm not going to read their names. Some folks that wanted uh, wanted some things to say. So they sent me DMs, which by all means, send them. I think it's fine. If you have something to say and you don't want to put it out He's there. He's being I nice. I called you guys um, beta wolves. You guys got to step up. Leave your yeah. name out there. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, first question, this this was like an eight-parter, so I'm just going to read through them, some of them kind of out of order. I feel it's a major disappointment recruiting not getting one or two of Evans, Murphy, Cowan, Bigley, Jones. Do you feel the same? No. Um, uh, we said this before is, you know, when's the last time Clemson doesn't recruit the number mm-hmm. one player in the in the country, supposedly, with Desmond Evans? Um, I, I, th- I think a lot of people think he's got bust potential. And you look at the guys that State recruited last year, Savion Jackson, C.J. Clark, Josh Harris, and Terrell Dawkins. I mean, those are all four stars. So not a lot of chance to bring in um, that level of depth, I guess, or bring in some of those guys. I mean, it's just not – you're not selling PT to those guys. And it doesn't mean they're not going to be good players, but – that is not my red flag indicator of, hey, recruiting sucks. Um, he goes on every year. I feel like State should get 10 of the top 20 kids no. in NC. What are your expectations? Oh. <laughs> I think that's a little high. I, yeah. I, let me just. I think they should let get me a good amount. This. I think no, 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 no. Even when UNC is horrible, they get like three to five top 10 guys in the state. Like bunting was pulling in those guys when they are terrible. So I would never expect us to get 10 of the top 20. One, because I think outside of the top 10, it becomes a very, uh, the the 15 through 20 guy 
is probably the same as the 25th through 30th and beyond. So like, I don't, I don't get caught up in outside of the top 10. Everyone starts right. looking the same. And then when you think about it like that, right. UNC picks up those guys for whatever reason. I don't know why any football player would go play there from a football standpoint. I get it from basketball. Um, and then Clemson and the, and the other guys come in and, and pick off the top guys too. So we should in like a hypothetical world, but in reality, there's too many built-in advantages for UNC and the the top tier guys like South Carolina, Clemson, et cetera. Right. Um, what are your expectations for state and recruiting? Mine are to be on par with South Carolina and recruiting finished with a four-year average class somewhere 18 to 22 in the country. I think that's reasonable. I don't think we're there yet. Um, but they got to win. And they, you know, we've talked about this before. They need to rebrand to a degree where they're more sexy mm. or more fun or more interesting. I think that comes, I think that has a big part in it. And winning will do that. Winning cures all, but also being exciting. I mean, unless you're really selling PT or you're selling to a kid, hey, we need you to come because look how bad we are which has got to be their pitch this year. Um, I don't... I don't think they're yeah, selling. I, Look how bad know. we are. <laughs> I mean, he's got balls. I'll give it... I'll give Doran that on the recruiting trail. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... See, that's really hard, though, man, because think about it like this. I mean, South Carolina, it's just them and Clemson in that whole state. And there's... So that means there's a lot... Not just, not just two guys picking over the talent pool... But also that means a lot of people are putting money in those two programs. And that's an advantage, right? Yeah. The, the big issue with NC, with North Carolina is because it's not a dog shit state like South Carolina, more people want to move here and there's more universities. And um, yeah. so that's a tough comparison. I It might be more, I don't know, is that us? Is that the, is, oh yeah, yeah, that's here. That's you. Um, yeah, see, I had a hot take, and they're sending the fire department. Um, it might be more. We should be more. Uh, maybe like Virginia Tech, I think, is actually probably a closer program to us, where there's some smaller schools mm-hmm. that are going to pick off some guys, and there's a lot of talent in the state, but it still gets kind of rated by everybody. That seems more kind of like us, I think. But yeah, I would love to be South Carolina. That's a, they got a lot of people in that stadium, yeah. a lot of money. I would like to be – where was I going to go with that? I don't know. <laughs> the next one, maybe, the next part. question? <laughs> yeah, I'll come back to it, I'm sure. Uh, I'm so pissed as a fan. I look at these teams. And a similar average four-year recruiting class that competes so much better. I think Dave Dorn can spot talent. Well, that's where I was going to go with that. I would rather be a team or a program that can identify – talent better i think what we've touched on is how many misses they've had so maybe not necessarily the high recruiting rankings just being better identifying uh, you know talent from top to bottom and less projects uh, that's what i was gonna say i, I think dave Dorn can spot talent early but they lose recruits like simpson Kaba, moose mm-hmm. to better programs we need mm-hmm. someone that can land them sees potential consistency consistently winning 10 and going toe-to-toe with Clemson's year seven. And after the AM launch, which I knew was going to be bad, has gotten worse with recruits, the product in the field, 
recruiting matters so much. Look who's consistently in the top bowls. Well, the part that I really agree with there is, and it's it's kind of an underlying theme. There's mm-hmm. perception, and you know the A and M loss. I think that really was a really bad setback for how things are perceived for some of these guys like like Moose Jr., right? He was never coming here because his dad didn't think we were big time enough for him. And I think that's a hard pill to swallow. And you just that you see that because you get your ass kicked by Texas A&M. Where does he go? Texas A&M. You know, I mean, I think if you're more competitive in that game, maybe that perception starts to change. Um, but I can't blame him as as a dad. I want my kid going the best place possible for him. You know, so I, I really hate that we missed out on that one. But he's never he was never coming here. Yeah, I don't think. I, I think that's you would have needed a fundamental shift to happen three or four years ago in order to get a guy like that. I mean, that's just a reality, right? I mean, you ended up with Kelvin Harmon because Spurrier got drunk and left the set, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. But you know, at the same time, like Texas A and M, what are they right now? They're six and three. Um, you know, they'll beat South Carolina yeah, and then they'll it's, lose. It's perception. To G- UGA and LSU, right? Like, I mean. It, it, yeah, it's perception, and you're always going to be fighting against it. And and part of it is because you kind of hit on it earlier, right? You don't have a fun offense. You don't have something that you're using to attract those players. And that's just not Doran's style right now. And yeah, it's a, it's a weird place to be, but there are these guys so negative in these questions. Evan? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Um, I think state needs to improve the run game more overall in the program. Why are we not more creative in the run game with schemes like counters, kicks, wraps, and other runs? If this is something we probably beat to death, but I mean, I agree. I think you need to do things to get. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the offensive, he's typing in the document here. The offensive line stinks. I don't think they're that awful. I think you need to be more creative. I don't know why you're not. You know, running four wads and you know delayed draw or something. Just do something a little bit differently. If your offensive line is not good, then you know get your guys to the outside. Do what West Virginia did. Get them to the outside. Make some. Yeah, but that only that only worked like what for like one game for them. Um, You know, I mean, this is what I'm saying is okay. First off, in the next three games, please make it work. (laughs) Um, But. We just don't have the guys to block. I mean, it's just, it's as simple as that. Like the guys aren't ready to play at this level. And it's just, you know, you need, maybe it'll be different, right? I mean, Knight, Bam Knight looks healthy right now. Looks more healthy than he has all year. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he can make up for those deficiencies and they can start doing some stuff. But I think it's kind of what Doran said earlier. His scout team is playing with the first team right now. And I, yeah, but that, that's see, that's been like, this has been all year. That hasn't been the case. No, I'm saying year. now I'm no, 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 no. I, right? I yeah, I, mean, I agree. I'm saying today. Yeah, I mean, I get now. It's I get like, now. yeah, okay. We're, we're done. <laughs> on that. 
Well, yeah. Now he's got an ex- now he's got an, a valid excuse, but you don't have that same excuse. <laughs> you know, a couple weeks ago, it wasn't that bad. And maybe you're playing some youth, and you know you lose a couple guys. But again, it's it's way worse than it should be. Yeah, I mean, uh, here's opinion. the thing, right? The, the next three games, oh. I think we've hit on this enough. This is the opportunity to show you why this offense is worth keeping. You can say like, okay, we're finally on. Look, yeah. we got we're we're dust as far as having bodies, but we're at least facing teams that are in the same stratosphere right now. And if they don't show you that, then yeah, deep thoughts need to be put onto it. But I think without the O-line, you can't just, we just can't make up for the fact. Don't not read. shouldn't be the only tight end that you need for blocking on the run there. I'm done. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, I see other coaches getting more out of teams and programs. I see DD is maxed out and not competing with top 25 power programs. I like Bill Clark at UAB, Mike Elko at, Tamu, a couple other guys. Um, I don't think State needs to abandon defense because they're not Georgia or Alabama. I'm not sure what that means. But I see Kansas State, Iowa State, Wisconsin, other non-elite recruiting teams playing good defense. Yeah, I mean, that's those are almost the exact mm-hmm. teams we've mentioned before. Wisconsin, right? I, I want to be Wisconsin. That's that's all I want to be. That's, like, that's my expectation for this program. That's my goal it's for this program. You know, I mean, he's mentioning – I guess he must be talking about the defense, right? Elko at, yeah, Elko was at Wake Forest and then got picked up by Notre Dame and now he's at Texas A&M, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know what's going on at UAB, if this is like a one-off or whatever. Brian Harson at Boise State, like, I mean, Boise State is a powerhouse, you know. They've, they've, they've just been, been good. so good yeah. for so That's long. Hard it's one. hard to really take that. If you If you grab their whole staff and move them here, I don't know if you replicate it right away. I agree that Satterfield would have been great here, but like we didn't have, we weren't firing Dave Doran last year in order to get Dave, uh, you know, Satterfield. I, I'm glad he didn't go to UNC. Right. That's all. Um, yeah, me too. I agree. Yeah, it'd be great to be those teams though. Uh, Kansas State. <sighs> Come on, man. I know you're upset, but Kansas State. I we we can't. The Kansas State is what it is. <laughs> Because they were living off of a JUCO pipeline that you can't replicate anywhere else. There's so many JUCOs there. And uh, God, I'm blanking on his name right now. The old, old dude that just retired. Yeah, that's, that was his lifeblood. And that's why they never got yeah. beyond where they were. They were always good, but not great because you're relying on JUCOs. I don't want to go that route. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they have a good coach now. Climbing. Uh, won a bunch of national titles. Uh, there's there's that weird little pipeline from Mount Union. I forgot who was before him. Um, Cam Matt Campbell or Jason Candle, one of those guys who's really good. Um, but he yeah, has that weird pipeline of guys going from Mount Union to Dakotas and winning and keep winning. Um, they've got that thing. Just man up rolling, and hire Bob Stitt. Let's yeah, admit I don't it. Get That's the way it. to go. I love Bob Stitt, yeah. Um what in your mind would be the best identity offensive decent defense for NC State? I would like State to be very physical running team where we could take the pressure off the QB, yada yada. Uh, defensively, okay, three man front. Yeah, what kind of identity do you want? That's One that scores. I want to be Wisconsin. I want to be Wisconsin. I want to be Wisconsin that maybe can pass the ball. You know, it's like some teams just seem like they are like regionally positioned to be a certain team. Like Wisconsin with all those corn-fed offensive linemen, 
Boston College with like <laughs> the most hard nosed offensive line. Like, I, that's why Tom O'Brien thought he could come here and win because he's like, yeah. look what we're doing at Boston College. Um, you know, and then he said he got right. down here. He's like, oh, the guys down here in the South are different. And like, and by what he means is like the offensive lineman recruiting pool is yeah, it's soft. It's just, it's more athletic. Not as, it's just not as hard nosed. It's a, it's just a different kind of skill set. Um, yeah, it would be great to run the ball. I guess I'm, you know, it's funny. I, I would just be much, I would much rather see like a, an advanced pass attack and I would love to see, I oh, have no problem right. with the air raid. I would let if for whatever reason, uh, Dino Babers was to like stop being the Syracuse head coach. I would take him as our offensive coordinator immediately. You know, like I think his offense is really fun. And the problem with him is up in Syracuse is there's no talent. I mean, I think it's amazing what they did with yeah. obviously Eric Dungy. I mean, one guy made them a 10 win team. Basically. I can't believe he didn't leave last year. I mean, I thought he was gone, so, but I guess there was no opportunities. He, or he's like um, waiting for something specifically that, that he really wants. He's from, is he from Texas? Yeah. Like he came from the Baylor tree, right? Babers? Yeah. He's yeah, probably yeah, hiding something yeah, yeah. down there, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, we got a, a call I'm going to play so we can talk about that one. Here you go. You haven't heard this yet. What's up, guys? Will calling from right off of Sig Forks Road in Raleigh. Got a FMK for you. And I know you guys are a PG-13 podcast, so that's an F, Mary kill question regarding a possible new offensive coordinators. So if Dave Dorn has the balls to let go of what we have now, Noel Mazzoni, Chad Morris, recently fired from Arkansas, or Evans' boy for life, Matt Canada. Anyway, interested to hear you guys' thoughts. I will hang up and listen and love the pie. Night, night. So that's Will from the Fire Ice Pack podcast. Um, I appreciate that. MFK, Noel Mazzoni, Matt Canada, and what was the other one you said? Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I started doing them in my head and I completely forgot. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, Chad Morris. Oh, Chad okay. Morris. Yeah, so obviously yep. I would marry Chad Same. Morris right now. Um, yeah, I mean, he's looking for a job, so I would absolutely bring his ass in. Um, I know Arkansas was an utter failure, but I'm not sure how much of that was on him. I think he knows his offense. He grew to Sean Watson. Brett Belima. Uh, he's okay. gonna- <laughs> that place sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um I would fire Noel Mazzoni and kill Matt Canada. Oh, wow. Interesting. I was going to F Matt Canada and kill Noel Mazzoni. (laughs) Well, Canada solely because he kept forgetting about J-Sam. And I take that personal. Is he he saying we're firing the guy or is he using the – is he just saying that to be nice? No, yeah. Oh, man. You know know Matt Canada is going to be a mean guy in the sheets. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, Mazzoni oh my god right, I'm just gonna yeah. look up Mazzoni right now <laughs> that guy went all over the place and everybody like was like he was, he's an offensive genius and then it would it failed and then it failed and then somehow he went to like 
did he go to the CFL or somewhere? And then he was just highly regarded. I'm just like, this can't be the same guy. Yeah. And it was so weird. I he feel like he doesn't even run. have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> the first thing that pops up was explaining the Noel Mazzoni offense. I was like, that's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he right now? Let's see. Uh, oh, he's at Arizona offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Oh my God. Yeah. He's his webpage, his Wikipedia is so short. That's never a good sign. Ed Orgeron. Oh, that's right. He was with yeah. Ed. That's right. Yep. Yep. He's He's been all over the place, man. He was weird. I you know, he's kind of like, that. you know, Norm Chow is kind of similar, right? I, he he wrote a couple minor successes and made it uh, made it a long way. Good for good for these guys. It's amazing that these guys are still employed. This is like when you're. It's the same reason, like you're looking at like Colin Kaepernick is like getting this um, workout this weekend, right? And you're like, I mean, we play DFS, so we probably see the dregs of the quarterback pool more often than other people. And it's like, how are some of these guys in the league? How is Matt Schaub still a quarterback? Why does um, who is the UNC quarterback that just seems to keep getting workouts? Yeah, TJ never good, never good. (laughs) I'm calling you out, NFL. Step it up. (laughs) I do like seeing Mitchell Trubisky just burn at the stake. Why? Yeah, he's awful. Why Bears? Why would you have drafted him given the other options? Anyways, that's another podcast. Great question. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's uh, the last question I got here is if you were solely in charge of NC state football, what would your expectations be and what would you do moving forward? Oh yeah. Hold on. One last offensive coordinator that y'all should look into. And um, one of the messages opened my eyes to him, Bill Bedenbaugh. He's Oklahoma's co-offensive coordinator, Um, which I don't think co-offensive coordinators is a problem. It's who's the co-offensive coordinators. It's works at other places. But look into that guy. Uh, I was really – he has a really interesting story. He's um, uh, Hal Mummy, Mike Leach, coaching tree. Um, you know, so really interesting. I wanted to point that out. But if you're solely in charge of NC State football, what would your expectations be and, and what do you do moving forward? That's on you. Well, you know, if it was me, I'd hire a little guy who coached at Texas Methodist University. You guys might know Coach Eric Taylor. Okay. (laughs) NC State can't lose. Um, I mean, my expectations for NC State football, you should be able to compete with pretty much anybody. This fan base and just the attitude that the school has, like we should be better. We should be very – I always think that we should be like Penn State or Georgia and not that we necessarily are going to be like a blue blood program, but we should have that kind of attitude. Um, I feel like they're kind of like our spirit brothers in different conferences, except we're like the, like the redheaded stepchild of, of the group. Um, yeah, if I was yeah. boo, I would be saying, Hey, you know, there's a lot of changes in football. It's modernizing. What are we doing to stay ahead? And I mean, we say it all the time. I just think this offense doesn't really suit putting butts in the seats. And I think people want to see a more fun product. And 
it's fun to win at the end of the day. But if you go back and look at it, we have been just feasting on teams that turned out to not be very good. And I would just, I guess I would challenge my, whoever my coach is at the time and say, are you putting a, you know, an exciting product on the field? Is this offense, is this defense doing what needs to be done in order to, I don't expect you to beat Clemson all the time, but I want you to be competitive. Um, you know, do you need four turnovers in a game to have a chance to kick a field goal at the end to win? Or can you go toe to toe with these guys? And I would be asking that in every sport. What, you know, what does it take for you guys to compete and how do I get you there? And I feel like Debbie did a really good job of resetting the whole athletic department and getting the university as a whole lifted up. And that's really great. But in the end, you know, football makes up 80% of basically your revenues and basketball is the other 20%. And if you're lagging in football, the rest of the university gets hurt. If people stop coming to games, if people stop buying season tickets, you know, if they're not buying the merchandise, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So if I was boo, I would be having that conversation with Dave at the end of the season and say, what do we need to do to win more? other than get healthy. Cause I don't think that's just the answer. And then we'd see where it goes. I think that's, yeah, I think that was perfectly said. Uh, you need to, you need to win. You need to be competitive and you need to be interesting. And I just disagree so much with, uh, well, he's won, you know, nine games. I get it. Yeah. You know, I get it, but his ACC win record is, barely above 400. And to me, that's not good enough. And, you know, maybe he was or is, I'm speaking like he's gone already, but maybe he is the the guy we needed to build that foundation. And I think he's done mm-hmm. a, a decent job. Um, you know, we've quoted some of the roster mismanagement, but for the most part, he's gotten, he's elevated the amount of players. He's elevated the, the thought, the perception that he can develop guys into the NFL it's the other parts of it that are just not coming together on the field. There's no, it's not interesting. He's not branding the program in any way that is going to be super attractive to uh, top tier talent, you know, things we've talked about. Um, you know, I, I really like him. I, I, I like Dave as the face of the program. I wish he would figure out um, the assistance and maybe change the philosophy a little bit, be more, like you said, score more and, and implement a system that is more interesting, that is going to be more fun to watch, more, I don't know, just different. I mean, if you look at the schools that people talk about, like Oregon wasn't always that great. They got fun when they – when. Um, Tedford came in there and Chip Kelly was the offensive coordinator and and they scored a lot of points and they were flashy and did all this stuff. You know, Baylor was the same way. Art Browse came in there, scored a lot of points. They beat up on a lot of teams. They were competitive in the games. Even if they didn't win a lot of big games, they were competitive in all those games. And I think that's something that we're missing. I think it's a fair criticism. And I think we've been saying that quite a bit and – you know, if I'm boo, I'm I'm doing what you said right now. I'm I'm putting the what do you need? And then if 
you know, if, if Dave doesn't give me an answer that I like, then I think you really have choices to be made. He's not irreplaceable. He hasn't done anything that another good coach couldn't do here. I think he's done some good things. But, I, you know, I as a fan, as a season ticket holder, I want to win. Like, I want to be interesting when we do it. I want to be... I don't want to be the laughing stock, right? I don't want to be the, you know, the the butt of the jokes. And I think that's why fans are frustrated because that's where we are right now. Injuries are not, right? Every, you, you got guys like Mandel, right or wrong, looking down at you and saying, "Ah, oh, you know, he just he beat a bunch of teams that you know, everybody should beat, but you're not beating any of the good teams." I don't. I mean, I don't know how you dispute that. And somebody, and I think it might have been the long, the long document we got. And he said, you know, he was in school when State beat Texas, or they went up and beat Syracuse and Donovan McNabb, and had all the, you know, you know, beat FSU. And you have all these games that you can point back to that are like signature wins, right? And you can look back and like, hey, they really beat a good team, or they really, mm-hmm. you know, that was awesome. I don't know if Dave has that moment. I don't really remember it. Like beating Notre Dame's great. They were four and eight that year. You know, beating Louisville with Lamar Jackson. That's, that's, that's probably his best I think that's one it for sure. And in seven years, that's you know, I'm, I'm stretching to to pull that out. You know, so like like we said, I don't expect a huge change these next three games. I hope I'm wrong, but the next the next game alone is going to dictate a lot with what happens this offseason and how much pressure is applied. Because if we're getting smoked by Louisville in this first half and the stadium empties out again, that is a bad look, man. And you know, I think um, Boo is going to it's it's going to ratchet up Boo's. Uh, process, whatever that may be. I think that's a really good point. And on that uplifting note, I think that's all we got. The basketball team is currently losing three nothing. Uh, oh my god! I missed like, the 49, points 40, off. Uh, they, <laughs> three nothing. they took all the points off. Uh, they seem like a bunch of turnovers. We should give a half-ass Louisville update. Okay, so. Just, just quick update, everyone. Okay, They're 60th in S&P Plus. They have a really good offense, according to that, and their defense is trash. So we're kind of in that same spectrum of um, – they're kind of like what Wake is. When they played each other, you kind of saw they were both kind of similar. High-scoring offenses, terrible defenses. So um, what I see here is they're 112th in scoring defense, 66th in red zone defense. They're 46th in third down defense, and they're bad at uh, – third down conversions they're not that good at red zone offense and they're 49th in scoring so i think if we can stop 2-2 at well from just getting those 80 yard touchdowns we could at least have a close game but at the same time if we don't do that it's going to be a long three quarters because i think the first could be pretty brutal again and that's my that's our high level take against louisville so SP plus has this game as a tie. 
Would you take a tie oh, if they offered it to you right now? Um, man, I, I guess a tie doesn't help you for bowl eligibility. Um, I, a tie would be improvement. So, yes, I'll take a tie. Could you imagine yeah, if too. this game came down to two-point conversion overtime? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. It, there's a lot of subplots in this game with Ledford leaving and all that jazz. I think it'll be interesting to see how salty Dave is because we oh, all know man. salty Dave is the best. He's going to know. Look, we should be able to defend the stretch run. This might be the one game where we should know everything about their running attack. Um, So it'll be heartbreaking if they're breaking off big runs. Yeah, I agreed. Um, uh, we just got a comment on Twitter. Um, Robert says last year's Wake Forest game was Dave Doran's Rubicon. Win that game is a 17 point favorite and close out Louisville, UNC, ECU as they did. And NC State is likely in a New York New Year's Six Bowl, but they didn't. So here we are. At some point you have to become through in certain games. That's exactly what we just said. Um, you know, people feel that way. You got to win, man. And it's super frustrating. Uh, there's there's some weird possibility this team still ends up eight and five. It's like be a goddamn miracle, but it's also possible this team ends up four and yeah four and the, eight. This game, you know? if you can win this game, my god, does it make everything easier? If you win this game, you can. You know, yeah. it, it is going to be a really short week. And Dave was talking about this. This is really crappy scheduling from the ACC. I don't know how they did this. We've got a night game at home and then we have to travel for a Thursday night game. So basically you have a three day week as far as the team is concerned. Um, So if we could win this game, I really like our chances, but if we lose this game, I could see us lose Georgia tech too, just because it's a short week and just being on the road, the team is so discombobulated. It seems when it goes on the road, um, Yeah, you just gotta laugh that's at exactly it. Exactly it. Um, you know that comes across as, and I know it didn't when I because I listened to the press conference and it didn't come across this way. But when when he says it, it just sounds like he's setting you up for another mm. excuse. And well, we're a week away from having to hear that because Georgia Tech. Well, you know, who are they playing now? But hold on, let me take a quick look. I, for some reason, I thought that they had a buy, but I don't think that's the case. They are playing. Okay. They play Virginia tech at three 30, but they're at home. I mean, this week definitely favors them from uh, being rested, but you know, we just gotta, they are so one dimensional. I mean, this is like the Georgia tech is that classic game where it feeds into his uh, defensive scheme. And, you know, it's just unfortunate that they're kind of playing good defense right now. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the one stat I wanted to point out, um, since we didn't get our IPS for reference in, uh, Philip Danford from IPS pointed out, uh, football outsider stat has a power ranking defense play um, stat. And what that is, is teams rushing on third and fourth down their conversion rate. 
And NC State is dead last in the country, giving up 100% of plays on third down when the team rushes for the first down. On any down and distance? Any down and distance. 100%. (laughs) So it doesn't matter if you're fourth and 40, run the ball, and you're going to convert. I mean, that's basically what it is. That was a a really cool stat, and I wanted to mention it. I just thought of it. That's crazy. said something. Uh, basketball team's back up by four. So let's end this podcast. Go watch his last 10 minutes yes, so we don't have to hate do. them too. <laughs> All right, folks. It's going to be called on Saturday. I hope to see you out there if you can find me. Holler. I hope to see the offense out there more importantly. Go so, Pack. Yeah, go Pack. <laughs>